and welcome to today's episode of This Made Me Feel Things. I'm Catherine. I'm Alex. And this is our podcast where we talk about movies and TV shows that made us feel things. And today we are talking about an excellent film. In Australia, it's called Suddenly 30. In other places, it's called 13 Going on 30. And Alex, this was your film choice? Yeah, it was. Uh, It's just one of the first movies I think of when I think of like happy feel-good movies for me because uh, it's just such a lovely like feel-good movie. I love Jennifer Garner. You love Jennifer Garner as well. Yes. And it's just a nice put it on when you're feeling crap and you feel a bit better about life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those movies. But also um, I wanted to talk about a romantic comedy pretty early in our run. I want to talk a bit about romantic comedies in general and how they like have impacted the millennial generation because I think it's an interesting topic and this is a really good movie to talk to about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you were excited like you sounded excited when I recommended it. This is this used to be one of my favorite movies. It's just so so innocent and easy to enjoy. It's just like it's like a fluffy candy. Yeah, fluffy candy is a really nice way to put it, but also like a, a soothing hug, but also like a really fun 80s dance party. It's got like everything you kind of want to feel. Yeah, and I really think Jennifer Garner is like the perfect actress yes. for this movie because she brings so much energy and so much joy to the screen. And you can really tell that like she had so much fun doing it. I mean, they all did. And it's a really great cast. It's such a great cast. So good. So shall I tell you a little bit about the uh, synopsis for those who have not seen it? Yeah, go ahead. We are going to go into what happened. So if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend that you sit down and watch it. If you haven't watched it, um, stop everything and watch it now. <laughs> stop, stop, drop and watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit lame. okay so suddenly 30 opens with the bouncing beats of the go-go's as the screen sparkles before our eyes and an awkward jenna rink is preparing for her school photo which turns out really badly 13 year old jenna is awkward af and is desperate to be popular so that she can join the six chicks as in the popular group of girls in her school. And this is not encouraged by her best friend, Matt, who is pretty cool in his own right as a burgeoning photographer. Some magic magic happens. Um, Matt gives Jenna a Jenna dream house, uh, which is sprinkled with magic wishing dust. And through the magic of cinema, 13-year-old Jenna becomes 30-year-old Jenna. 30-year-old Jennifer Garner. Jennifer- <laughs> you like to wake up and become Jennifer Garner? That would be bloody amazing. Absolute dream. <laughs> so 30-year-old Jenna is 30, flirty and thriving in New York City as a magazine editor. And she realizes that while skipping through all those years and getting everything she wanted, she's actually turned into a really awful person. And this is her journey as she figures out who she is, what she actually wants in life, and how to make that happen. Great. That is 13 going on 30 slash suddenly 30. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the 13 going on 30 title? I don't like I didn't like it. I remember knowing that when it came out. And I don't like it because I don't think it's a phrase I really say often in Australia, which is probably why they called it suddenly 30. Like the phrase X going on X age is not something we say. So I don't really like it, but I acknowledge that it's that's what it's known as. <laughs> for the rest of the world except for Australia. What do you think about it? I think Suddenly 30 just works better. Whoever was in the brainstorming room, they should have stuck with that. 
So let's start off with something that uh, you found, Alex, which was the alternate opening and ending. How, so how did you find this? I found out about it recent, like a few months ago from looking up the movie another time, not podcast related. And I found out that they had other actors cast as young Jenna and young Matt. And I so I knew that they had filmed the whole the movie with these two actors, but I didn't think you could find it online. Because what it was was that they showed that to test audiences before mm-hmm. releasing the movie fully with Jennifer Garner. They filmed the whole movie. And I think I believe they started the movie with the beginning and ending with the kids. Right. And then later filmed the rest of it. And so the audiences hated the young Jenna and young Matt. Mm-hmm. And so when I was researching it again for the podcast, I was like, oh, I might just may as well just Google it or YouTube it rather. And I found it and it was not great. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's not just the same actors acting the same scenes. Like they've changed the script, which for the better, actually, I think, because they, they don't have the school picture day. They The party is a little bit different. They have this whole scene with the parents, like renting her a jumping castle, which is bizarre. And even the fashion, the fashion is not really that 80s. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't crazy enough. Yeah, seeing that and then thinking back on the film, I think they did a really amazing job with casting the 13-year-old kids that they chose. Like that 13-year-old Jenna has such a magnetic screen presence because you can see yes. like how awkward she is inside, but she also has so much potential as well. Like you can see where she wants to be. Yeah, and you can see that she will become what she wants to be. I think it works really well because even though the 13-year-old cast, like they are pretty awkward and you can see like there's, in the storyline Jenna really wants to be cool and and accepted but she and Matt have so much personality on their own which is one of the like it's the, the story this part of the storyline that they're already so cool they don't need to be part of this popular crowd I really yeah I really like the actors that they chose in the end and I'm so glad they changed a lot of that ending so for those of you we'll, we'll put it in the episode notes the link to the alternate ending but you know, she comes back to being her 13-year-old self. They kiss. Pretty awkward. They run outside on the jumping castle and play on the jumping castle. And then you fast forward to seeing Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo jumping on the castle in their wedding clothes. That was horrible. It doesn't look like it was a final cut at all. It looks like it was a rehearsal tape. So I just thought that was a bit fun to watch. And just for the listener who might not know that there was a completely different storyline and actually it might not have been successful if they had released that version yeah and i think even from those opening um credits the music is so perfect in this movie it is i rewatched this movie yesterday morning and i've had that go-go song in my head the last 24 hours it's a great intro song it's so good especially with like the sparkles on the screen really catch the music in my opinion it gets you straight into the spirit of the movie as well that kind of fun, sparkly 80s. And that like that background that you see her in with the school pictures, just like, oh, it's so <laughs> retro. It's just so good. Everything about and I love the party, the Madonna song that they play at the party when she's transitioning and then they play it again and that's how it ends, the Crazy For You song. I just love yeah, that song. It's so good. It's it's very brilliant how they piece all the music together. Yeah. I think it's really good as well because um the music that they chose is all so iconic. I like that it's not really a film about she was in the eighties and now she's in the two thousands. It all it feels like it really blends very smoothly. Everyone feels nostalgic when they watch this movie and even I do and I didn't grow up in that time, you know? Yeah, like even that song Ice Ice Baby that they use is very... Uh... Yes, <laughs> so good and so clever. It only really occurred to me in adulthood that it was even more clever because he's an ice hockey player. <laughs> I didn't get that when I was younger. 
So let's go into um, the romantic comedy aspect of this movie. Mm. How do you feel about this particular movie is in that genre? Um, it's interesting because before I did, I did a lot of research into this. And I, you know, I like to watch a lot of video essays and I like to read a lot of articles. Romantic comedies, and I've read before, have an impact on millennials and I've, I definitely have thought in my life, like, yeah, like I feel like my view on relationships has probably been skewed by romantic comedies. I've read an article about a poll that was released around romantic comedies Mm -hmm. and it was an Australian survey and it said a poll of a thousand Australians found that rom-coms and their happy endings have ruined their view of the ideal relationship. And to quote that article further, the author was saying, it seems like our love of rom-coms is turning us into a nation of happy ever after addicts. So we're like craving that warm and fuzzy feeling The the final kiss at the end or the marriage at the end is kind of what we're looking for. But actually that's only the beginning of reality yeah. with a person. So I find it really interesting because there's actually a lot of cracks I found in this movie after like doing research, but also like thinking about it properly, you know, of like the tropes that they use in this movie that you see a lot of romantic comedies specifically is like, you know, um, your happy ending equals getting married, full stop. Uh-huh. Your life will be happy if you get married. There's other funny ones like, you know, unrealistic job expectations. She's got a baller apartment and basically an editor at 30 years old. <laughs> Not that achievable <laughs> in reality. All the women in this movie, like, have to be enemies. And, you know, every interaction with, like, Tom Tom and Trish Sackett is, like, clearly the message is, like, you have to cheat your way to the top or you have to, like, backstab and you can't be nice to other women colleagues. Yeah. And I read this, uh, watched this, rather, this video essay of, like, how 13 going on 30 is actually quite a mixed message. Like, it's not really clear on what its message is. Like, they've got really positive ones, like, be yourself and don't rush growing up and, you know, be careful and kind to the people around you, like, your best friend and your parents but also things like that where it's like you to be successful in life you have to like backstab everybody and compete with the other women and when you see Jenna's ending we don't know anything about her life other than she married Matt yeah is she an editor she's still in fashion her ending essentially is almost Matt's wish for her when she was 13 he gave her the dream house oh that's true in the dream house the main criticism I have is that Jenna's successful happy life is she got married to Matt. Yay. And she got the house that Matt wanted for her. But we don't know anything else about her other than that. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Because even when she does accept the, or when she does receive the Jenna's dream house present, she sees it and she's like, oh, cute. Like I was 10 years old when I wanted that or five years old. And now. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really shifted my view very quickly on the movie. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what, I, overall, it doesn't truly impact my view of the movie. I still love it and I still enjoy it and I still feel happy. Like it's nice to watch someone get a happy ending, nice wedding, and that's nice. Like that's what you kind of expect, at least in the 2000s, to walk into a romantic comedy with, right? However, <laughs> it's not great. The easy fix would have been we see like a movie, like a montage of what happened through her life, not just like cut to the wedding. Yeah. Even though it looks cool from a cinematic perspective that they run out the stairs and they run out and it's their wedding day. But it would have been cool even like in the photo collage, like you see that she's written a book or she's now doing X career and she's still successful as she, it's almost like to be the person she wanted, she gave up the success and the career. Yeah. Because they didn't tell us enough about that. Yeah, because they just kind of like flip through and go straight to what they want, which is, I mean, I think it is very dated when you think about 
about that as the happy ending. And also, like you said, the female friendships. It's very 80s, actually, that kind of portrayal of women where everybody's kind of competing with each other and it's it's just not possible to be nice to each other. Yeah. Except like her assistant who is very sweet. Very sweet, but not in power. Not at all in power. Yeah, that women in power or to get power, you have to like be shit to the other women or backstab or cheat your way to the top, what Jenna ends up doing. Yeah. And then Lucy does sort of back to her, you know, which is obviously incorrect and we all know that, but it's still like not great that it was a message (laughs) in the movie. It's also really interesting to think about. Jenna as a 30-year-old has done all this shit to people. She's betrayed even her own company. She's gone pretty deep. She's like cheating with somebody in the office and... She doesn't talk to her family. Yeah, she's like a horrible person, but it's only when she comes back with her innocent 13 your old eyes that she can see that it's just not it's not good but it's interesting because so the more I thought about it is that she could have learned these lessons anyway <laughs> through living life normally because like they they show little subtle and I don't think they intentionally did but this is just my interpretation the scene with her befriending the neighbor the 13 year old neighbor which is like yeah I don't know if I like her being in a sleepover with 13 year old girls <laughs> It's a bit random, a bit weird. A bit weird. I think they're trying to show, like, she has a likable enough personality that, you know, she could have made actual friends that connect with her values rather than her conforming to the six chicks, which is kind of young Matt's point to her, right? So you don't have to fit the mold to be someone you don't want to be. Like, she could have just, as she was growing up, made really cool girlfriends like those girls at the sleepover or attracted a young boy like the one she awkwardly, grossly flirts with yeah. in the diner, right? That stuff she would have learned anyway. Like, you, you or I didn't need to wake up in a 30-year-old body at 13 to learn those lessons. You just And that's kind of the point of the Billy Joel song, right? The Vienna song. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The song that plays when she's going on the train is like the whole, if you listen to the lyrics, it's all like slow down, you'll get there. It's fine if you just chill out for a day or two, you'll get there. It's fine. Yeah. Slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. But then if you're so smart, tell me why are you still so afraid? all of this all of the flaws in the movie is from again product of its time shortcut story writing comedic storylining like you know that gross thing with the flooding with the kid yeah not a 2000 style comedy so, you know, you got to give it that. It's interesting to think about now of the messaging we received as millennial kids. We received a lot of uh, dodgy messages. <laughs> yeah, but but also that, like, you know, and I think this affected me. And You tell me what, you, what how it impacted you, but, like, one, one line that came out from the video essay I watched about 13 going on 30 was, countless romantic comedies begin with a powerful and accomplished women who are convinced that without a man their happiness is worthless and their success isn't worth much if they're not in a relationship or end up with a man. Mm. What do you you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that kind of thing, it's really frustrating when you think about it because it's it's only girls that get that message. I mean, it's patriarchy 101. The message that we're getting is that it's not even worth doing anything else except looking for a relationship Mm. it's such an effective method to squash so much potential that women could bring to the world by convincing us to just give up and focus on a relationship 
And that relationship, once you have it, it's not, like you said, it's not the end. It's the, it's the beginning. The wedding day is the beginning of the life. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't show the arguments, the kids that come, the stress that comes. Like some movies do, granted, but like not very many like this, like not romantic comedies. Yeah. And I think, I think it's misguided and it has definitely impacted me. Like for me, like obviously I've been pretty successful in most of my life, but because I haven't had that like happy ending inverted commas with the wedding yet, like it's like, oh, that must mean my life, I'm not successful. Not saying that the romantic comedies are the key problem, yeah. but I think I think it's definitely a contributing factor, a message that was forced down our throats pretty regularly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the stories that you hear and the stories that you read, it makes, it makes a difference on what you think mm. about, especially, like, I think we were both around 13 or 14 when this movie came out. Mm, 14, yeah. Yeah, it does have an impact on the way that you see things, the way that you expect things to turn out. Yeah. And I think also what's interesting around this time or a couple of years later, me and my friends actually went to a movie marathon, one of those crazy overnight ones where you can yeah. stay in a movie for like nine hours. One of the movies was The Breakup. Do you remember The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. So they don't end up together at the end. So the whole premise is they break up and it's almost leading you to assume that they're going to get back to the end of the end. But I remember like me and my friends walked out being like, that was bullshit. I really hated it. Cause <laughs> I didn't, like, because I didn't end up together. Because it didn't give you the story you wanted. Yeah. And when you're a teen, you expect that, which is not great. <laughs> that a movie means it's bad because there's no happy ending or no traditional movie message of a happy ending being love. I mean, I guess this movie is a lot about expectations and what you expect from life in terms Mm. of this relationship, but also even the fact that she goes into the magazine industry. The magazine industry itself is dedicated to selling unrealistic dreams. Because I wanted to study fashion design after school, I used to read, was very dedicated to reading a lot of Vogue and um, Harper's Bazaar. When you look through those pages, everything is unattainable. The way that the models look in the magazine, the price of the clothes, the stories that they tell, it's just dreams that you can't achieve. Hmm. I think it's really interesting that she goes through this experience and then realizes that it's not what she expected at all and it's not worth it. This life that she's living is not bringing out the best in her. Even though like switching straight to marrying her high school sweetheart (laughs) is probably not the best reaction. Right? Like I wish we did get to see what happened. Like did she date other guys? What did she do in uni? What is her career now? Like is she just a housewife now? Like that's what I want to see more now. I think as 13 or 14 year old watching it, yeah, oh, bloody froth. Like love that she got married. But now it's like, yeah, cool, she got married. <laughs> Sorry, froth that ending. But cool, she got married, but what about everything else? That's not all happiness or a happy ending is, you know? But do you know, like having said that, I do think Matt and Jenna have a great chemistry. Like the kids have a really good chemistry. And I think it works so well because Matt is really, he sees her straight away. Even as a 13-year-old, he sees how cool she can be Mm. as an independent person. And when they reconnect as adults, even though she's still 13, they still have a really like cute connection because he's attracted to her youthful curiosity about life. The fact that she's still so excited about small things is what gets him in, I guess. I actually agree with you. And I I think Matt is actually a really good character for her. And, you know, it's good that they got married. But again, again, what else did he do? Did she travel, you know, all this stuff? But I'll just have to just imagine that or write some fanfic or something about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, I think Matt is a really good character and I think they, like, actually wrote, like, a nice guy character for Matt. Like, they didn't write the fake Dawson from Dawson's Creek nice guy. Yeah. When she comes into her 30-year-old body and she's finding someone, like, he actually treats her really lovely. And the last time he saw her, she treated her like crap in his reality. He takes the time to make sure she's okay. He walks her home after she freaks out. And he even, like, respectfully, even though I have thoughts about it, he respectfully, like... When she comes to stop the wedding, another romantic comedy trope. Yes, classic. When she comes to stop the wedding, he actually says, like, no, I like was being great and I really like you, but, like, that's gone now. I have this new wife who I love and life doesn't work like this fairy tale. It's There's actual people involved. So I like that, even though in reality it would have been nice if he just didn't get married, <laughs> maybe have the conversation with Wendy. But he didn't get married. He never got married. He did. No, because Jenna went back in time and stopped it. Well, in the reality, let's say that reality kept going. He married her. You hear the wedding march when she's wishing. Oh, like in that alternate. In that reality. In that reality. Yeah, Yeah, like he was going to get married. But I think I also respect that choice. Like what he says to her is that, so you can't live in the dream. They made choices. He chose Wendy. And maybe it's not as exciting as it could have been with Jenna, but Wendy has also, like, she's treated him well. Jenna has been an asshole to him. I think it also makes sense that he would go back to the person who has not been kind of abusive in their friendship. No, I agree. I think he, like, I understand why he chose Wendy, but my point is you emotionally cheated on Wendy <laughs> with Jenna and she, he doesn't really act that interested in Wendy. <laughs> like, they really treat, like, write Wendy like a villain. They write her like you don't you don't want to like her, even though she's actually perfectly fine and lovely. But, like, she's not. he's not listening to her when she's talking about the wedding. He's distant and, yeah, he's effectively emotionally cheating. <laughs> so maybe have a conversation be like, hey, yeah, so, like, that's what I mean. Like, I think he made the right choice overall, but I wish that he had talked to Wendy before they actually got married. Maybe they did, though. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, after his week with Jenna, I guess he probably should have said something. But also one of the things that I noticed about Wendy was that when they were having that dinner together and she was talking about, like, we don't want to be a commuter couple in our first year of marriage, um, she was also saying, like, you can take photos of vitamin bottles anywhere. And that is, I mean, I guess that's what their relationship is. They're a serious couple. They're Mm -hmm. giving up on dreams. Or he's just going to be taking a job that pays the bills. Whereas Jenna can offer him a life of exciting, ambitious photography shoots that are changing magazines or like changing the way people think about what is success and popular. I think that's just an interesting point to consider of what the two women offer him and what he actually wants. Because it's it would be a very courageous or like a brave choice for him to turn around and say to Wendy, like, we have a nice relationship, but you don't offer me dreams. Yeah. And Jenna can be a bit crazy, but she's excited about life. Yeah, and that's I guess that's my point is like, yeah, if that's what you want and that's what you're intrigued by, don't get married, don't settle for Wendy because maybe in a few years' time in that reality he would be like, oh, I'm bored now. I want to find that Jenna-type personality. But also like it's good that in the real reality he does end up with Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I have thoughts about it, you know, it's, it's nice. It is like they're perfectly suited to each other. Yeah. Okay. So tell me your thoughts about Jenna. How do you? Oh, I like I love her. She's so great. Like, it's just perfect casting. I think it's Jennifer Garner. I don't think they could have cast... Like, did you see who they were going to cast her? Who else they were going to cast as Jenna? Who were the other options? 
Gwyneth Paltrow? No. A lot of no's. Like Minnie Driver, I think, was one. Uh, the only one I thought maybe was Hilary Swank. I didn't see I didn't see Hilary Swank as a very fun kind of person. Yeah, like you needed someone like that. Yeah, she was in between, I think, like season two or three of Alias. Mm. So she was known at the time as a very like action kind of heroine. Mm. And there's a story that she was talking about it with her co-stars, Victor Garber and Matthew Vaughn. She was like, I don't know if I should do this. You know, it's a bit unusual. She said like everybody in the cast was like, you are a hundred percent this 13 year old fun girl. This role is made for you. That's so cute. It's so true. But I also love that she still is very like in action girl alias mode when, you know, when she wakes up as 30 and she kind of comes flying out and her physicality, it's very action oriented. She's just so great. Cause yeah, this would have been one of the only, like her first comedic role, but she's like born for it. You and I both follow her Instagram now. Like that's just her humor and her personality is like still the same and she's like nearly 50. But I guess with Jenna, like back to Jenna, I think like she's just so like the the word that and the feeling that I get when I watch this movie is effervescent. Like it's just so bubbly and great. Like I guess you don't have to lose that part of yourself when you are 30. Like talking about Jennifer Garner herself is 50 and is still like that young, youthful personality. And like I really like that they have a, a main character like that in a movie. Yeah, it's really nice. It's exciting to see. It's very um inspiring I like as well that I think I get the feeling that 13 year old Jenna is very inspired by a Molly Ringwald character oh yeah like a pretty in pink or what was her other one the breakfast club 16 candles 16 candles is what I was thinking of she had that character that was very like kind of cool in her own right but a little bit on the outside but you knew that she was going to make big things happen yeah I think like when I think about suddenly 30 that is actually what I the message that I take away is that as much as you want to be part of the popular crowd it's much more interesting to be your own person and to be the one on the outside just doing her own thing. I think that's why I related to it so much as a 14-year-old watching this because when I started high school, year seven, I'm like, I want to be part of the popular crowd. We didn't have a six chicks, but it was like the mean girls or popular girls. I think that's what we thought were the popular girls then. Like that's why 13 is such an interesting age to explore in this movie because like you're only just scratching the surface of who you are as a person. And when you start to build that, you attract the people that are your close friends and you do you do become popular in your own way like the friends I end up having at school at the end were like well there were 12 of us like to me that's that's popular it's interesting that perception of popularity but I think this movie does really explore it really well and like I said I think that scene with the girls and the sleeper is like yeah she she's a lovely person like people are drawn to her and she probably will be once she you know grows more confidence in her teen years when she actually grows up like she'll make great friends you don't need to mold into the mean girls Exactly. Not you, who you are. Yeah, the idea of having to conform to somebody else's idea of popularity and success as well, it's just a lie. That is where you lose the authenticity that makes you interesting. I think like as a 13-year-old in my school, I don't think we really had a popular crew of girls or people. I don't think anybody was really that mean. I'm sure there was gossip or drama that I'm not remembering right now. Oh man, if when we when we eventually do Mean Girls, I gotta tell you a whole thing about my school. I mean, I went to an old girls school, so it's a bit different. But everybody is so awkward and just trying to figure stuff out at 13. Mm. Even if you're surrounded by people, nobody really feels popular. I don't. I like. I don't think. I think there are people who can just fake it a lot better. I think what it really is is confidence. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, young Lucy is super confident, and like probably underneath is super insecure. So it's just that image or that reputation of being cool and confident is the confidence 
like when you're more insecure and awkward and you can't really hide that that's that inability at that time that age to be confident and you grow that over time yeah totally should we talk about tom tom and lucy yeah how did you feel about the 13 year old tom tom acting like I, I loved her the actress is great her acting is spot on and looks exactly like judy greer just spot on and i really love judy greer like i think what makes her likable like she's a bad character right like can't argue that but judy greer is just they're both great she's hilarious yeah judy greer she's she plays it so well all of her lines are hilarious but it's also very realistic that they have this friendship where neither of them actually like each other but because their lives are so entwined they're kind of get very good at pretending to be able to spend time together. That's not healthy, you're great. (laughs) It's not healthy, but there are people like that. What's interesting is that they don't show Lucy as being able to change. The mean girl in real life, the young 13-year-old mean girl, usually, and like the mean girls that I can think of at my school, like they grow up and they they don't become mean anymore. They figure out what their insecurities are and they become really nice people. Like by the time I was in year 12, everyone was actually really nice to each other. It's that 13-year-old age. But they showed Lucy as not having any development in her meanness. They could have shown her like see young Jenna be like, oh, yeah, like life is really cruisy. Let's jump in on that. It doesn't show her as someone who's redeemable at all. And I don't like that part of her because I don't think that's that realistic. It is very classic romantic comedy villain kind of character. But I wonder as well if it's something to do with the fact that she was so confident and at ease at 13. She's never, maybe she never really got challenged enough to have to change her behavior and her way of acting or thinking. So she's just plateaued. If it was Jenna that basically became the leader of the Six Chicks, my guess is that Lucy just kind of rode off her coattails and kind of coasted through. Oh, felt like see was seething the whole time, being like, screw you, I'm not going to let you win. And maybe like that was her vengeance the whole time to stay close, to, like keep enemies closer kind of thing, which is why they never had, truly had a friendship, which is sad for both of them. It's sad for both of them, yeah. Because in, in reality, that ends up maybe Lucy is a nicer person and she grew out of that. Like if you think of Regina George and Mean Girls, like she hit that plateau of being mean. And at the end, she's like this lovely person who's playing hockey and like they're all really nice to each other. You know what I mean? Like that could have been Lucy in re- real life. But in that path, because she had Jenna to pair with and to compete against almost, literally into their careers, she never had a need to change or she never had the ambition to change because her jealousy was fueling her. And I guess that kind of goes off what Jenna's mum says to her, is that mm-hmm. if I never had all those hard times, I wouldn't know how to fix it. You need challenges in life to make you grow as a person, like to make you grow emotional intelligence, mm. to make you develop beyond who you were at 13. That is just such a cute conversation that she has with her mum. I love it. And it's definitely something that has gotten me through some hard times. <laughs> Talking to your mum about things? No, that conversation oh, with Jenna's mum. <laughs> <laughs> fictional mums have helped me a lot because I just think it's a really sweet perspective on life that that you need to you need to live through life to learn how to live life definitely I think also like again that whole scene is perfection the Vienna they play the entire song of Vienna they don't normally do that in movies it's usually just a snippet or all fade out but they play the entire song of this montage of her having a bad day having this like almost existential moment or crisis and she gets on a train, which is so like a, such a nice visual of like, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Let's just jump on a train and go somewhere with nice. And I just need my parents. Whether she's going through this 
time drop as a 13 year old or not like sometimes you're gonna have days like that when you're 30 like I have days like that when I'm 30 it's just so yeah like do you regret anything in life no because I became who I am because of all those mistakes it's just so lovely yeah it's really cute I do love that song but I listened to that song a lot after I saw this movie and it got me through a lot of difficult moments where I was freaking out that I wasn't successful yet in my 20s it's such a good message in that song that sometimes you do need to slow down and take a breath and everything's going to be fine. Can I give a background on Vienna, the song? <laughs> yeah, tell me. Billy Joel, genius. I listened to a few interviews about this song. Like, because a question that comes up a lot in interviews with him is why Vienna? Like, why did you choose Vienna, the city? And one is that his dad is Austrian, came from Vienna, and his parents divorced when he was quite young. And his dad moved back to Austria, to Vienna. And he found out later into his 20s, his dad actually had a son, like, so he had a brother. And so he went to meet him in Vienna and he learned a lot about his history and his dad. And, and he was walking down the street with his dad one day and he saw like an older lady cleaning the streets. And they're like, why are you making this old lady work? His dad was like, yeah, like in America, you don't really treat your old people. Like you just kind of like, oh, put them in homes and let's forget about them. But in Austria, like they're valuable. Like we want to show the older people that they're valuable, that like you can work and you have worth. And so Billy Joel's like, yeah, like, Vienna, wait until a place where you can enjoy your old, like live your life till you're old and enjoy your old and you have value and you still have a lot of life left to live. I thought, I think it's beautiful. That is a really nice message. Because I think also like you, like when I was in my 20s, I think I was, I was stretching myself so thin all the time. Like I always had to be busy to be successful or happy to the point where I was burning myself out. And then on those days I would just watch this movie or listen to this song and be like, yep, I needed this. <laughs> I needed to chill. <laughs> I think that Vienna song really resonated for me because when I was young, I had a lot of big ideas for my life and I really thought that they would be achieved very quickly and all that jazz. Did you have any big plans for your life when you were 13? I don't think I did actually. Like I really didn't know what I wanted out of life. So I think when I thought of my life when I was older, I would just picture myself in a business suit for some reason, but I didn't know what that <laughs> meant or what that was because I, I think it was like so far into the future, which is why I think it's funny that like, this plot is of this 13-year-old wanting to be 30 because I don't think I wanted to be 30. I think I wanted to stay young because I was so, like, youthful, I guess, still am now. But I don't know what I wanted. And I think I think it's because I just didn't know what I was good at yet. Like, I didn't know what I could achieve. Mm -hmm. I think maybe I wanted to be a writer, but that was just from my own hobbies. But I honestly didn't really know until I was older. What did you want when you were 13? Like, what were your dreams that you thought you were going to achieve? When I was 13, I knew for sure I wanted to do something creative. And I thought, I think I thought that was going to be something to do with writing. But I, I definitely connected with stories that were about escaping your hometown or getting out of where you grew up because I never really felt like I fitted in as a teenager. It definitely didn't come until like my late 20s. I think my dream was more about like escaping or becoming myself and I wanted that to happen as fast as possible and I think that's what I connected with in this idea of like being able to skip all those awkward years between 13 and 30. <laughs> yeah I think my dream was just to get out. <laughs> I think I was also like so dumb at 13 more so than is usual. I remember the first school camp that I went on I had been watching probably too much TV for teenagers, but I said something about one of the guys in the, like, who was extremely popular because he was really good looking. Somebody asked me if I liked him or if I liked him because he was good looking. And I was like, 
he already knows he's so good looking. It's not even interesting. And that guy went back and told this good looking kid what I had said. (gasps) I was so embarrassed. All these kids had been to the same primary school. So they were all kind of like friends already. I just didn't even think that that comment would get back to him. It was so embarrassing. But that's not your fault. It's not very, it's not a very nice thing to say, but he was a very lovely kid and he was still really nice to me. He never treated me any different. That's good. I had to learn a lot of lessons like that of like, don't say everything that you're thinking straight away. Totally. I think, but that's so true. Like one story I can think of is I went to Thailand with my family when I was 13. The trend at the time, you probably saw a lot of kids get was like the the braided hair with the beads. (laughs) Your whole hair gets braided with the beads. And I thought it was so cool. I didn't want to take out the braids before school started. I, I turned up to school like an idiot with these full hair with little mini braids with pink, purple and blue beads. <laughs> and I remember going to the bathroom one day and there were these mean, these popular mean girls there in line and they're like, nice hair, Alex. And I decided not to say anything. But I was like not in a cool way and they're like clearly I was affected by the comment in an awkward way. And they're like, what, you're not going to say thank you? And I'm like, bullshit. No. <laughs> But, like, fair enough, my hair was disgusting. So, <laughs> Oh, it's just so hard. Like, when you really think that you've done something cool and everybody else around you can see that it's not and it's just – and then you've got to live through the rest of the day with yes. that comment in your head. Yeah. It's so hard. But I guess 30, flirty and thriving, what do you think? <laughs> I was thinking about this last night and I'm really happy with where my life is right now. I feel like I am – 30 flirty and thriving but I've been through so much shit to get there and it's also like it's not that I think that I've gotten to where I want to be and that's it so many people used to say to me that like when you're in your 30s life gets easier because you just stop caring about what other people think and I really think that's true that's so true you know like it's so much easier now to brush off stupid comments or for me it's easier to socialize and Mm. to be different in a crowd as well I think I've also like uh, made an effort to make my life what I want it to be in terms of what I'm doing with my career in quotation marks that is a career I say it in quotation marks because it's not really standard like the freelance lifestyle is it's my own path I've got to take control of it every day which is what I like anyway it's it works for me yeah I think I'm I definitely feel like I'm at a place where I like who I am which I think is very important that's so important but I think like you said I think that comes with growing and making mistakes and learning and having bad days and having bad periods in your life the other reason I love this movie is because of New York City because I love it and I, <laughs> I was 30 I turned 30 while I lived in New York City. The months leading up to my 30th birthday was a bit, I was going through a bit of a low patch. But when I turned 30, it was weird. It was like, not that everything changed because life isn't life. It's not like I turned 30. I was like, oh my God, everything's great again. But I think I learned a lot of things. Like I think I learned the people that I've kept in my life are because I, I connect with these people and I chose them and I've stood up to them if, you know, they wronged me and like I know who I am and I like my career was really great. Like I've, you know, worked really hard for my career and I, like I'm really happy with that. And I think I just like, mm. I'm not that far into my 30s, but I think like I have found that you know who you are you understand why you might react to things. You're not as panicky when you're making decisions. Yeah. Life is good at 30. And it definitely is about going through those experiences, making mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and moving beyond that. 
I feel like in your 30s, you're more in a position to make choices about you know, where you live, who is in your life, who stays in your life, what, what kind of job you stay in. It's an exciting time. This is an exciting time. And I think also important to say, like, it's not like you're not going to keep making mistakes at 30 or 40 or whatever decade. Yeah, it doesn't stop. (laughs) You can make mistakes up until your death. It doesn't stop, but at least you know that now. Like, the training wheels are off. It's nice. I think it's nice that they portrayed that in a movie. I think it's it's really fun. And I think, like, what Jenna becomes in her 30, even in her 13-year-old brain, is what she could become at 30 anyway, right? Like, so that's really nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, one thing just quickly on the 30 note. One thing that I noticed in the messaging and the mixed messaging of this movie is like, you have to have it all figured out by 30. Like, and you don't have to have it all figured out by 30. And and even like the phrase 30, flirty and thriving, like people may not be thriving at 30. They may not be flirty at 30. Like, you know, that doesn't mean that you, you don't still have value and you don't still have a life and you don't have to have it figured out by 30. Like we have had a positive experience leading up to 30, but some people might not. Yeah, that's true. I think the movies, it's kind of like, you have to have it made by 30. You have to have the big house and the relationship and the career. And you might not be. There are a lot of flaws in this movie. There are a lot of ridiculous moments. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think it's it's just a story. There are holes because they're just like rushing through. I don't think they stopped to give time to Tom Tom and Lucy to change. The focus was that Jenna and Matt still have this connection that is once in a lifetime special according to the film but i think like uh, you know i just want to end with sort of like the messages that take away like you know you know be yourself don't fit the mold and the right people will come to you and i think that's what they really show don't change yourself for anybody else appreciate the people around you popularity doesn't have to mean you are mean <laughs> yeah and, and and just take your time and enjoy life don't need don't feel like you need to skip ahead and i think as well like being nice will attract nice people or will give the people around you a chance to be nice. Oh, we didn't talk about like how I, just one thing about like body swap movies or like kids in adult bodies movies is that they should not ever have any sexual related scenes. <laughs> like the whole striptease of the boyfriend and her flirting with the kid. I just, I could have done without that. <laughs> yeah. Flirting with the kid was, I was really uncomfortable. That would not be okay now. And also the guy that they cast as the, hot older dude who kind of looks like Nicolas Cage. Really bad casting. <laughs> Maybe uh, Tom Cruise was unavailable that day. So how do you how do you feel about the movie now that we've discussed it and uh, broken it down? I always, when I watch this movie, like I always feel fun and joy and it's so uplifting and I still feel that. I think this time around when I watched it again for this, I think I was a bit confused by the mixed messaging, like when I really look into a movie. <laughs> that's why you're not meant to read into romantic comedies too much. And I think talking about it was fun. I think I'm just a little bit, yeah, like confused by the messaging and a little bit how it's impacted me in terms of romantic comedies. But at the end of the day, I still will watch it when I'm having a bad day and I still love it. And I just wish I saw more for Jenna, that's all. But otherwise I love this movie. And it always makes me feel really fun and young. How about you? How did it make you feel? It still made me feel happy and inspired in a very superficial way. I think it's, if you can, if you only take it as just a fluffy, cute movie, then that's what it is. It's a, it's a nice hour and a half of just something that doesn't really make any sense. It's not very logical, but it's cute. It's nice. And it's, it's kind of nice to spend time in this world with such a bubbly, energetic person who is so excited about life. That's what I think the main takeaway is and what is so enthralling I guess about Jenna and and Jennifer Garner is just you can just watch it and be swept up in that fun loving persona which is sometimes just exactly what you need 
Okay, so um, okay, after watching Suddenly 30, 13 going to 30, what do you want to watch next time? So I want to um, stick with the uh, growing up theme. I think a really nice Australian film that discusses this is Looking for Alabrandi. Hmm, that's cool. I haven't seen it in years. I think it's a really good Australian film, one of the best, in my opinion, in Australian cinema. It's a bit more realistic message of going through a difficult learning period as a teenager and becoming an adult. Yeah, I think it'll be fun to watch. Awesome. Great. Love it. Can't wait to watch it. Thank you for joining us today on This Made Me Feel Things. You can get in touch with us if you've got stuff to say at thismademefeelthings at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at thismademefeelthings and feel free to leave us a comment, tell us what you thought, share it with your friends so that we can all feel feelings together and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.